0: we uh, we m- may not be alone.
1: This is the Garden of Doom.
2: Welcome everybody into Garden of Doom. And this week we're having a show that I've been trying to get done for a while. I wanted to get one on voodoo. Long time listeners know at some point I did a solo show where one of the topics was uh, me researching voodoo. And, and I was sort of talking about it. Um, but you all know I don't like to do solo shows and then uh several months back I I had a show with uh MG Stevens who had studied voodoo for some period of time and she referred me um to a couple people and one of them was our guest today and this is Mumbo Brandy so hi Mumbo Mam- Brandy how are you today
3: Hey Jack doing great and yourself
2: I'm doing just great and Brandy's coming to us from New Orleans or the Crescent City Narlins as I, th- I think the folks down there say, um, and she ha- well, she'll, she'll tell you a bit about herself and, and, but she is one of the, maybe the founder and, and proprietor of something called Voodoo Authentica. Um, they do, they have, they have a shop, they do presentations, they do education, they have festivals. So all of that cool stuff, but she's also going to, you know, sort of guide us on a one-on-one level course of what is voodoo, what is New Orleans voodoo, and and some related items. But first, let's ask Brandy to tell us a little bit about herself. So do you want to be called Brandy or Mambo Brandy?
3: I, you said Mambo Brandy once. That's, that's enough. Brandy can carry it for the rest. <laughs> Brandy is fine. Um, I don't want to call you Doom Jeff for the rest of the show. Ooh. So I'm just going to stick with Jeff.
2: I, uh, or, well
3: uh, maybe uh, Captain Doom.
2: I would prefer something like Field Marshal Doom, but uh, we'll work on it. That's but we'll, we'll stick with Jeff, Jeff until I settle on one. Um,
3: Mambo, but, is, Mambo is just another word for voodoo priestess. We've got that established. I'm a voodoo priestess. That's what Mambo means. And Brandy is cool for the rest of the show. I'm not definitely uh, one for formalities.
2: Excellent. Okay, well, good. I Well, I learned something already. Um so, yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and, and your journey into voodoo and how one becomes a uh, a voodoo priestess?
3: Well, I'm born and raised in New Orleans, and um, I, as a child in New Orleans, it's really all around you. Uh, if you look for it, if your spirit is called to it, it's more of something that you are called to Uh, in terms of the priesthood. Anyone can look into voodoo, learn about it, read about it. But uh, ever since I was a child, I feel I've gotten, I guess, messages from spirit, calls to spirit. Um, Always been interested in how other people celebrate their version, I'd say, of the divine, of God, Um, done a lot of studying, you know, with other cultures because I'm very interested in how people, the similarities amaze me. Um, all over the world, there's so many people who are really doing the same thing and calling it different names. And in New Orleans, voodoo is a part of our culture, it's a part of our heritage. And, um, Really, it's, it's in the air, it's in the water, so if you just pay a little attention and open your spirit up, and also, if there's the call, you, and you listen, and you listen to it, you will be called the spirit, you'll have dreams, you'll notice just symbols and signs and things that maybe some people take for granted, how a rose is growing, not to get too too kooky here, but, um, I see a lot of symbols around me and have since I was a child that I took as spiritual messages that really turned out to be legit spiritual messages that maybe a friend might have passed off as, Oh, it's just a bumblebee. It's just the way a rose is growing. It's nothing special, nothing significant. But I listened. I knew that these weren't just things that were happening. They were messages. And I haven't been guided wrong when I've listened to those messages and listened to my instincts. And that's honestly a big part of voodoo. Uh, I also have my godmother who's Haitian. She's a, a rest her soul, a voodoo priestess named Mama Lola. And she is my, again, rest her soul, my mother in the Haitian voodoo part. I am a new orleans voodoo priestess but all of my initiations were in haiti so i kind of ride that fence between being from new orleans having my parents my grandparents my great parents grandparents i go way back in new orleans so i honor all of those new orleans spirits but i've also got that other side of my family you know who's haitian so my initiatory right as a priestess, are actually Haitian style and done in Haiti. So I have a heart, really, Haiti's got a whole country of people to honor and continue those Haitian voodoo traditions. But in New Orleans, we've just got us. So I definitely have a focus on keeping those traditions alive, helping to educate people about what those traditions are, where they come from. Uh, At the same time, you know, I honor both. I honor both. And I also honor the African Orisha because in New Orleans voodoo, because of our history, we have the African Orisha and the Haitian Loa. Those are the different spirit forces associated with those different traditions. And those are because of our, we came by them honestly. It's, you know, it's part of our history. Um, being a a practitioner of New Orleans voodoo you honor the African Orisha, the Haitian Loa and some spirits that are just in New Orleans that you don't find in other traditions such as the great voodoo queen Mademoiselle Marie Laveau
2: I think this is probably a good time to pause for a second and sort of see if we can get some definitions or or what's the difference between the African Orisha or tradition and the Haitian voodoo tradition, uh, as compared and contrasted to the New Orleans voodoo tradition. What, what, what are the distinctions? And maybe the, I, I guess maybe it's probably easier to start with like, what is sort of it writ large? And then what are the distinctions? A sort of a compare and contrast.
3: Oh, writ large, and the lawyer comes
2: up. I I say that the term every show, and I'm I'm sure the if if there was a drinking game for it, if if my audience has a drinking game, that that would probably be a word they would use. Do, do I get a dollar
3: every time you say writ large?
2: Yeah, we, going forward, we can make that deal. A
3: dollar a drink. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um. Well, basically, you've got African voodoo which are African Vodun, you'll see them, especially when academics are exploring these topics, you'll see the word voodoo spelled differently. Again, especially when you're dealing with academics and books written by academics.
0: Um, my godmother,
3: I would say, how do you like to spell voodoo? She's like, I don't spell it, I practice it. So um, the spellings are typically less important to people who practice than the people who are academics writing the books. But sure. Uh, to honor that, the African you you see a lot of Vodun V O D U N or V O D O U um, N, and these are practices. As I said, Haiti has a whole country. Well, Africa has several countries to honor those traditions, and they're traditions that never left Africa. Um, well, excuse me, not never left, but they are still practiced in Africa as they have been. In Haiti, same thing. You've got practices, Haitian voodoo, which you often see spelled V-O-D-O-U, but not exclusively. And these are practices that have continued and that have a whole country or in Africa, several countries to honor, continue, and celebrate them. But then you've got New Orleans voodoo, which because of the slave trade, there were people who were taken as slaves from directly from Africa and also from Haiti and the French West Indies. So to New Orleans, to the port of New Orleans. So you ended up with this combination of African practices, Haitian practices, uh, Native American practices, things that were indigenous to our area where a combination took place, where you have this practice today, some people call it a religion, some people call it a spiritual path of New Orleans voodoo, where you have African Orisha or African spirit forces, Haitian Loa, um, some Native American influences honored, you know, that were already here. And again, spirits that are really exclusive to New Orleans voodoo but have become beloved by people who visit here and found a kinship with certain New Orleans voodoo spirits like Marie Laveau. They have people in their homes and in other places. There are shrines to Marie Laveau, a very New Orleans voodoo spirit all over the world uh, because she's such a powerful force uh, to be reckoned with so, again, because these practices continue to go on in these other countries, even though people from those countries, whether through the slave trade or modern times, have relocated to other areas of the world, they, of course, brought their practices with them. So you have Haitian voodoo, as it's being practiced today, practiced in New Orleans, practiced in Miami. You have African Vodun as it's practiced today, being practiced in Africa, and wherever, wherever people from Africa find themselves throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these the practices have differences, but they also have a lot of
0: commonality, a lot of
3: common ground. Um, in Africa, in, in let's just say uh, the Orisha, you've got an African Orisha who is called Elegua. Well, in Haitian voodoo, you've, called, you've got a spirit called Papa Legba. They're both guardians. They, they are definitely distinct, distinct spirit forces, but they share a lot in common. Um, they have similar colors to represent them, similar offerings. They are both the guardians of the crossroads. They are both gone to first in ceremony. To get the door open between humans and that spirit communication, it's very important to honor them first to open that door to the rest of the ceremony. So as a initiated Haitian mambo and a New Orleans voodoo priestess as well, um, I'm not going to land anywhere and see something within the diaspora being practiced and be like, what the heck's going on here? Right. I'm going to understand, okay, we're honoring a crossroads spirit right now. Now we're moving on to either Ogun or Papa Ogu. Now we're moving on to this. Now we're moving on to that. The names are different. And again, the spirits are distinct. But they have similar attributes. And if you've been doing this long enough, you know what's going on no matter where you find yourself. I hope that comes close to answering your question.
2: I think it does. So it's it's not like... Zeus and Jupiter, which are basically the, the same god, just different names. Uh, it's a similar type of spirit, a similar type of purpose, but it sounds like the local geography and the local culture, you know, changes it. Um, and it, it adapts to be a distinct spirit based on the, I'll just use, personality of the locality.
3: Absolutely. When you think about how different these areas are, you have different herbs. You have different geography. Um, you know, you have some areas that are dry, some areas that are filled with water. So wherever these traditions land, they've had to adapt to what is there, what ingredients are there. Um, you know, what I if you come from a place where you are honoring water spirits, you find yourself in a dry space, you have to adapt. You know, luckily in New Orleans, we are literally surrounded by every body of water imaginable. <laughs> um, and, and in Louisiana, in general, yeah. you know, there's not there's not a place you can't find you know a bayou, a river access, you know, ocean access, you know, whatever you need is there. Right.
2: I, I want you know. You indicated that you a are a priestess and a mambo and one of Haitian and one of New Orleans voodoo. So, I mean, you know, if, uh, obviously that's very different than, you know, like for instance, you couldn't be both a Catholic priest and a, you know, Protestant minister at the same time. Um, maybe you could switch from one to the next, um, but you, you can wear both simultaneously, which is a big distinction from, you know, I guess maybe the I'll just say the more traditional religions, though, that's pretty arguable, especially if you're going back to something that has its roots in Africa versus things that have their roots, you know. But anything after Africa is probably newer, right? <laughs> so uh, it's probably younger. Yeah,
3: I, I'm also baptized Catholic, and um, there are tie-ins there. Uh, I love my Catholic saints, and because of the way... The brutal way that voodoo came to the quote-unquote new world right uh people were not allowed to practice their traditions freely you know they were enslaved so the religion that was acceptable at the time here in new orleans was catholicism so that was a mask catholicism was when the slave master would come into the slave quarters there would be an image of, you know, Catholic imagery Mm -hmm. and they would be using that imagery to honor their own spirits from their own home. But over time, rather than being substitutions, it, you got more of a synchronization going on. Um, Mama Lola, my godmother is such a great example of that. She loves, as I do, uh, she loves Urzuli Freda, a certain Haitian lawa that's all about love, abundance, prosperity, and the Catholic spirit that represents her, you know, the, let's say the mask, you know, that was used as a mask to preserve this tradition. It is how voodoo was kept alive uh, by using this system, this brilliant system of, um, a Catholic saint to represent a Voodoo spirit force, but over time, uh, like I said, kind of synchronization, a blend took place, where instead of, oh, okay, I'm either honoring this aspect of the Virgin Mary. You know, there's so many aspects of the Virgin Mary picture, different ways. You know, sure. there's um, Caridad del Cobre. There's, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe. They're they're all married, but they're just in different, um, different aspects. So all of these different aspects connect with uh, different spirit forces. Um, just like St. Peter, some people use St. Lazarus, but there are different aspects of Papa Legba, a spirit I mentioned before. Some people use Pop- use St. Uh, Peter because he holds the key. You know, I told you he was the gateway. Mm-hmm. He holds the key. So imagery, there was imagery that... Help to make these connections. Oh, okay, St. Peter holds the key. So that's a legwa, that's Papa Legwa. So instead of, again, there being these very distinct, you know, okay, this is St. Peter, this is Papa Legwa, they really became blended. So we love St. Peter and Babaluaye, another spirit that uh, some people are using, you know, to represent that crossroads spirit. Uh, because, as I said, there are different traditions, and there's. I'm letting you know how I practice. Of course. And, you know, there are so many different ways to practice, but you have these different representations of these different spirit forces, and uh, at Voodoo Athenica, for example, we have an altar that honors all of our crossroads spirits together. You've got Eshu, you've got Papa Legba, you've got Alegua, they all have their own areas on that altar but they're able to share space comfortably and trust me if you've got spirits together that aren't interested in being together on altar they will let you know very distinctly that they're not interested in sharing space but we have spirits that coexist very well um, that are simply different aspects of very similar spirit forces with different names and uh, you know similar offerings are given, but we do honor those differences. I don't I don't ride the train of oh you know, that's just a different same spirit, different name. No, I don't do that. These are different spirits that deserve their own respect, their own name, their own background, their own traditions to be honored. And that is something that we really try to make clear when we are sharing information at Voodoo Authentica with people, which we try to do a lot of, we always try to let people know a little bit more about voodoo than they came in knowing. Um,
2: yeah, it's a little without, bit, there's a without, little without animism without in there. People. Right, There's a little animism in there that, that, you know, this stream has a spirit from here, the stream 100 miles away has a spirit there, But they're not, they're a similar spirit, but they're not the same. Correct.
3: Yeah. And so when I hear about people saying things like, oh, you know, that's just the same spirit called by a different name somewhere else. I find that to it disrespects whole, it can disrespect whole traditions that have their own background, culture, stories about how these spirits came into being and so I I don't go that route where I'm just like oh yeah a leg was just papa leg but called it. but no a leg what is his own spirit force papa leg but is his own spirit force Ashu is his own spirit force and they are connected with different traditions in the diaspora so you know you 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 want to honor all of those and uh you know, tread carefully. Tread carefully, and make sure that you're giving honor to each instead I've, of trying to take the lazy way.
2: Sure, I, I have a question for you, and and that is, uh, you know, obviously the you know you've driven it home very clearly. There's a difference between Haitian and New Orleans and the you know the the, uh, the uh, Western African roots. Um, but is, is there is there are there different variations or versions that are just as distinct? Say. You know, you go f- further west to Houston, you go up north, maybe Lafayette, uh, into the Mississippi Delta and Alabama. Or, or is like New Orleans voodoo sort of most of your, you know, United States of America variation?
3: New Orleans voodoo is for and about New Orleans. What you get in a lot of the South is stuff. now there are people just like there are people practicing Haitian voodoo and African voodoo. Throughout the world in the United States that have brought their traditions with them. Mm-hmm. You get the same thing with New Orleans voodoo, but just because you, it's, some people want to call something something just because.
1: Introducing TGI Friday's new Fox on the Rock sauce, a bold, sweet barbecue with a kick at Jamie Foxx's BSB-flavored whiskey that's perfect on ribs, steak, and wings. It's also great in craft cocktails like our new BSB Foxy Mule. So come get saucy only at Fridays.
3: Like, if you decide, I want to do things my own way, then it's best if you either create your own tradition or call it something else. But this it's not a free-for-all. It's not a free-for-all. Although we embrace and historically have in New Orleans voodoo, um, you know, for reasons that are in the history books, uh, why we have African Orisha honored and celebrated in New Orleans voodoo, why we have Haitian traditions celebrated in New Orleans voodoo, uh, why we have our own traditions celebrated in New Orleans voodoo, it's one thing to have that that has evolved Built itself over time, nothing to take that elsewhere and just say, Well, I'm going to do this, that, the other thing, throw a little Greek mythology in there, throw a little of this, throw it a little of that, throw it a little of that, pop in some gumbo and jambalaya and just call it New Orleans <laughs> voodoo. That's where you get into a little bit of trouble is in calling things what they're not. There is, I'm not saying there isn't a lot of freedom. And each house, even in Haitian voodoo and African voodoo, house to house, some houses, they, they have their own spirits that won't be found in other houses. They're family spirits. So it's not like, oh, this is, I, this is identical. You know, I, if you go throughout Haiti, this is going to be, you know, identically done, the exact same spirits. That's simply not the case. There are some houses. Meaning, once someone is initiated and they are their own ungan or mambo, their own um, priest or priestess, they are autonomous at that point. Um, You know, they can't go completely, you know, off, you know, off into cuckoo land, but it is their house and they are running it as they see fit. And again, they have certain family spirits that will only be in their house. So uh back to what, you know, more of what you were saying. Um Again, not, not a free for all, but you can't just take these practices, go wherever you want, change them up in any fashion you see fit and still call them what you want. It's like you took my recipe for gumbo, you know, that I learned from my family. Like gumbo is a sacred dish. It's, it it's as much a part of our traditions as, you know, family traditions, celebrations, food is sacred. It's an important part of our life. And a dish that is as synonymous with New Orleans as, you know, Mardi Gras or anything else, you can't just take gumbo and say, you know what? I think I'm going to throw a cream of mushroom soup in there. And yeah. I'm still going to call it gumbo. Know
2: your ass ain't. <laughs> I think I understand you know what you're I'm saying. saying. <laughs> so if, if, some, yeah. if somebody with sincerely held beliefs and, and you know, uh, they move to, I don't know, whatever, Galveston. And I'm making this up. I have no idea. but And they move to Galveston and they detect, you know, they find spirits that are unique to Galveston uh, and they have a relationship with them and that spreads. You, it's feasible that there could be something legitimately called Galveston Voodoo. But if Jeff the Huckster, you know, studies enough Voodoo just to be dangerous, goes to Galveston, and I decide to throw in a little bit of, you know, I I I read up on some Hopi lore and I throw in a little Canaanite religion or whatever, and I and I say, this is Galveston Voodoo. I'm full of it. It's
3: better jeffism and let me tell you i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever i'm just saying as long as you present it as jeffism there that jeffism may reach many people and people identify with it they're comfortable with it they're like oh my god i've got a home in jeffism that i've never found any place else don't give me any ideas but (laughs) yeah but just, just 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 saying that um you know, kind of throwing in whatever you want to the recipe, you know, and, you know, at, at some point it ain't the recipe that it started as.
2: Is there, is there like a fourth kind that's recognized? I mean, I, 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 the word legitimate is the only one I can, and, and that doesn't sound like the right word based on our conversation, but for lack of a better word uh, in my mind at the moment, is there like a, another legitimate form of voodoo that's recognized You know, somewhere else other than the ones that we've discussed, that sort of have, you know, anywhere near the prominence or the or the visibility of Haitian, African, um, New Orleans.
3: Well, that word legitimate is is a little tricky. Yeah, Um, I know. But what I will what I will say is that you know, again, going back to the African slave trade, this is these are people who were taken from different regions of africa and ended up in brazil cuba all over the world you know um, not just new orleans and you know haiti etc cetera, etc cetera. so you have traditions that aren't called voodoo but you've got santeria you've got candomblé it's not like oh these are versions of voodoo but they are continuations, adaptations of spiritual traditions that all originated in Africa. And, you know, and as far as legitimacy, absolutely. You know, these are, these are people who uh, are kept traditions alive through the worst of conditions, um, you know, primarily through oral traditions and, kept these traditions alive, no matter where they found themselves in the world. uh, One thing that a lot of them do have in common is that connection to Catholicism. You'll see that in, you'll see it in Brazil, you'll see it in Cuba, you'll see it in Haiti, you'll see it, you know, all over the place. These connections, you'll see these Catholic images on, voodoo altars, on Santeria altars, on Candomblé, you name it, you see that Catholic imagery because that is what was acceptable. And at this point, sure, people could say, all right, we're all clear. We can take all that Catholic imagery. But now that's a part of the history, a part of the story, which um removing it. So, and some people have. Some people have to get a I don't want to say quote unquote, but I will quote unquote, purity, but the truth is, it's I hate to use a, an analogy that may not fit here at all, but once a building has has burned, you know, um, some of those singes, you know, you could make that building look brand new, but some of those singes are part of that building's history then right. You know, some of that 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 pain. The singeing, um, trying to just remove all that—it's—it's it's saying, okay, this history didn't exist. We're trying to return to some place of "quote unquote" purity, but while you're doing that, uh, you know, you got a couple hundred years that have passed where this has been incorporated. You know, the the Catholicism has been incorporated, has become a part of it for. People throughout the world. And I'm honoring, you know, let's just say Caridad del Cobre, you know, one of the aspects of the Virgin Mother, independently, while I'm honoring Oshun and African Orisha, while I'm honoring them both at the same time. It's not that easy to explain, but they're together. I can honor them individually, together. They're I hope you get where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, I, I
2: think so. I, I, I mean, I, I assume that there are certain ceremonies or chants or prayers or whatever that appeal to one or that may appeal to all or some combination. Uh, and and as a someone trained in that and steeped in the tra- tradition, you know the difference.
3: Exactly. And sometimes I'm just blending those. I am blending like the catholic effigy that is representing like if you look at one of our altars you will see representations of oshun that have nothing to do with the catholic icon iconography you'll see a blend you'll see the catholic image you'll see images from oshun from all over the place that are all together on our altar and they all come together to represent and honor oshun but I'm still able to honor that that spirit, marry that saint, all by themselves too. Um, I just the the separations get fuzzy, and they get fuzzy because at times they're needless. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself, where I've said all of these spirits are unique and distinct, um, and then I'm saying, well, sometimes you know these. I'm mainly talking about the Catholic aspect when I talk about the blending, but let's just take the Catholic calendar of, you know, when it's St. Patrick's Day, it's Papa Dambala Day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this, the serpent spirit of wisdom and balance, um, while we are honoring the Catholic traditions of the St. Patrick's Day, the St. Patrick's Day parades, we're also, doing ceremonies for Papa Dumbala and you know baking breads. I don't know about what y'all do where you are, but in New Orleans it's like Catholic extreme stream plus 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 the way I grew up. <laughs> so you not know, it's not just like, okay, you know, go to church. No, nope. when it's Saint Patrick's or Saint Joseph's Day, I mean you've got breads, pastries, candles, um, you have got doing it up big. For these Catholic saints, and you do something very similar for those spirits that have, the Voodoo spirits that have been syncretized with them. Um, some of the same colors, like everyone associates green with Saint Patrick. Yeah. Guess what Papa dumbalas main color is? You know, green and green, green and white. So. You know, like right now, my altar here, you know, I have altars all over Buddha, and all over at home, little altars everywhere. And I've got, you know, pictures of Moses, pictures of St. Patrick, um, other images that have nothing to do with the, with the Catholic imagery um, and symbols. That are also on that altar, all together, honoring Papa Dambala and Saint Patrick and Moses, all together. Okay. One of the one of the big images. Uh, it's also about you know about balance and um, you know the serpent, the rainbow, Papa Dambala, Aida Uedo, They they balance the masculine and feminine, um, and so you'll they also have a lot to do with fertility. So you'll see a lot of egg offerings given to, you know, given on Papa Damballa altars, you know, egg and a little bit of cornmeal. Um, don't want to get off track. Don't want to get confusing, (laughs) but each, each spirit has their own color, their own day of the week, um, their own feast days, you know, things that they enjoy having on their altars, songs that are sung to them, drum beats that are done specifically for them. And, Symbols that are drawn on the ground in cornmeal called bebe. When you're dealing with the Haitian lois, uh that all of this is to call spirit to ceremony, and it's expected but not taken for granted. If you know what I mean, that spirit comes to your ceremony. If they don't, it's like the guest of honor didn't show up at your party. Right, right.
2: It's disappointing, but you know they're they, they're the they're the decision maker.
3: It's not disappointing because they, they always come. Well, if you are doing, if you are playing the rhythms, if you are singing the songs, um, you know, they do not disappoint, okay. they do show up. Um, but, uh, you know, yes, if they didn't, then it would be like that guest of honor showing, not showing up. Gotcha. Um,
2: did, did you do different initiation rites for the priestess role and the Mambo ro- role is the wrong, uh, you know, honorific, I, I you know, status. Um, I mean, imagine that there's similarities, but there, uh, there's gotta be differences. Uh, I'm not sure if you're even allowed to talk about it or not.
3: Well, there's a lot that I can't talk about. And of course I won't share anything that is secret, you know, okay. ceremonially, ceremonial secrets, um, but very different. Uh, in New Orleans voodoo, because this was a tradition that was steeped in secrecy and that people weren't allowed to practice, a lot of those initiatory rites, they're big ceremonies, they weren't allowed to happen. So that is why a lot of people who, let's say like me, you know, I got my formal priestess initiation in Haiti. Where that cycle was never interrupted, it, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like that that cycle of that cycle of tradition and initiation was not interrupted. So a lot of people who are called to the priesthood end up going to the area that they are called to, whether that be Africa or Brazil or Cuba or Haiti, wherever that is. They end up getting their formal initiatory rights in those places um, because in New Orleans, as I said, for very, very good reasons, there were disruptions. Large ceremonies were done in secret on bayous. These are not things that were allowed, um, again, because of slavery, because right. of the slave trade. These were things that had to be practiced in secret. So that is why the tradition of the, the solitary practitioner, the botanicus, or the quote unquote drug stores, where right? you could go get remedies, um, the focus in New Orleans became a lot more on the magic. And I'm sure you can do the math and understand why that is. Magic is something that you could do behind closed doors. In your own home in the back of a quote-unquote drugstore, you know go get a fix for this go get a fix for that so uh, that is why magic is such a focus of New Orleans voodoo more than it is in a lot of the other traditions that have a major ceremonial focus a lot of those larger ceremonies just couldn't happen during those times so For very good reasons, things had to retreat more into like solitary practitioners, stuff that was a little something, something done behind closed doors. Now, fortunately, we're in a time where we can take to the streets again, like at our annual Voodoo Fest that we have right here outside of Voodoo Athenica Every year on Halloween, we're able to take to those streets openly, um, honor and celebrate all of the contributions that voodoo has made to our local new orleans uh, culture history and traditions it's all day it's free you know we cook and we celebrate you know african dishes haitian dishes new orleans dishes we cook all night home cooked food we honor our ancestors the ones we know about the unknown and forgotten ancestors we have speakers that are representing africa haiti and new orleans priests and priestesses honoring all of those traditions. It's a place to come for free, to learn, to embrace, you know, the beauty of New Orleans voodoo and where it historically comes from to really learn and to eat, to get fed, to feed the community, to feed the community, to, you know, to literally taste and hear through music and um, talking and sharing some of it is people sharing spiritual songs. Some of it's just coming to get a really good, true, real jambalaya. You know, a, 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 a delicious um, mambo brandy, butter beans and pickled pork and sausage. We also take care of our vegetarians. Um, not with my butter beans and pickled pork and sausage, no obviously. But, sure. And then at 7 o'clock, everybody comes together and participates in this ancestral reverence ceremony where you can call out no matter what your tradition is, no matter where you came from, you know, whether you have a European tradition, an African tradition, it doesn't matter. You're able to call out, the veil is thin, as they say, you're able to call out to um, people that are from your past or people who have passed on recently and call out and get a response. It's a moving moment. Um, and we call it ancestral reverence ceremony. We call it the ancestral healing ceremony. Um, some people laugh, they cry, they feel connected to those who have crossed over in a way that they haven't felt the rest of the year. So it's a chance to let, to show people how to connect with spirit themselves because I'm, I'm one of those give people a fishing pole. You know, not the fish kind of right. people. I don't, I don't want people depending on me um, any more than they have to for their own connection to source. I'm like, here's a great way to connect to source. I want them to find that connection on their own. I want them to learn how to do their own altars. And whenever people say, Oh, well, what's a good way to get started? I always say the same thing. The best way to get started is an ancestral altar to your own ancestor ancestors from your own background and your own traditions start there get the messages from there first keep it simple white cloth represent your elements you know cup of water you know represent your your four elements and you know light that candle put on the incense have a representation of earth keep it simple have a photograph if there's a known ancestor that you miss that is crossed over and they will talk to you but it doesn't matter if you're you know African, Haitian, norly Irish, Italian, it's the great way to start is start from home. Start with your own ancestors and see where that goes to make it doesn't all have to be about voodoo. you know start connecting if you want that spiritual connection, you know start it close to home with the ancestors that you know that you can trust and see what comes from that.
1: Yeah,
2: ancestor reverence is one of the first, um, you know, philosophies or religions, whatever term one wants to use, Um, and it's surviving to date. I would like to move on to something. Um, What are some of the common misconceptions that people have about voodoo, whether it's, you know, New Orleans voodoo or, you know, Haitian voodoo, do- doesn't matter. What are the, some of the common misconceptions you encounter? Cause I'm sure you hear them all.
3: Well, we're open 11 to seven, seven days a week to the general public. We have a website open to the general public. So we get a lot of questions every single day. And it's a really good question, Jeff, and some of the top. Would be one. Number one is what about voodoo dolls? Um, a lot of times you get the only exposure people have had to a voodoo doll is some movie they've mm-hmm. seen where there's a pin and the pin's stuck in somebody's leg and then the human being's leg is broken and that's all they know about voodoo dolls. Right. Scooby
2: Doo, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, Live and Let Die.
3: Exactly. James Bond comes to mind for sure. Yep. Um, but that's really a lot of what people know um, when they speak about voodoo dolls. And I will say that it's popularized as the voodoo doll, but dolls are used in many forms of magic. So when you see a doll used for magic, it isn't always necessarily a voodoo doll. They have um, people in witchcraft, they use a uh, a figure called a poppet. You're probably familiar with that. So it's not a, people see a doll used for magic and they immediately assume it's a voodoo doll. That's not always the case. But what I can tell you is that the way we use voodoo dolls at Voodoo Authentica is, well, we have a lot of different dolls, but just the, the general basic New Orleans voodoo doll made of sticks, local moss comes with a black and white pin, complete instructions. In those instructions, it lets you know, first of all, we remind people about karma. We remind them what that what they're sending out, it ain't a one-way trip. What you're sending out does come back to you. So we remind people to keep that well in the forefront of their mind when they're doing magic, and that there are usually really positive, doesn't have to be Pollyanna, but there are, I don't know if I want positive, yes, but also smarter solutions. Like if you have a boss and they're a nightmare, well, you know, killing the boss is not your best route, typically. (laughs) It's how about you work on focusing on getting that boss a transfer,
0: My mom is 81 and she's having trouble walking, taking care of herself and remembering things. There are expectations. My mom feels I'm her daughter and I should be able to do for her. Sometimes the help they need is more than we can do alone. CARE makes it easy to find senior caregivers who live nearby and know how to help. I love my mom, but I I need some help. The best decisions are made with CARE. Find help for your mom or dad at care.com.
1: Introducing TGI Friday's new Fox on the Rock Sauce, a bold, sweet barbecue with a kick at Jamie Foxx's BSB-flavored whiskey that's perfect on ribs, steak, and wings. It's also great in craft cocktails like our new BSB Foxy Mule, so come get saucy only at Fridays.
3: It works out bad for anything because usually people behave that way because they're, as you probably well know, they're miserable within their own cells. So you get them a transfer somewhere, they're happy all of a sudden you have a little bit of peace restoration in your own office without harming anyone. So a lot of times when people come to us, they're looking to follow that movie of how do I stick it to somebody with that voodoo doll. And I let them know, well, you see these depictions where the pin is used to harm, whereas mainly what we're using the pin for, it's, you can think about it kind of like a spiritual acupuncture. We're using that pin to focus energy into that certain area of the doll that is representing either themselves or another individual. And primarily that's used for healing. Um, you see a pin stuck in the heart, that could be someone's going through a heart procedure. We need to send healing to that area that we've energetically, you know, kind of created and named as that person. Uh, It could be the the proverbial heart that needs to be healed. So assumptions are made when people see things they don't understand. They assume they see a pin stuck in a voodoo doll. Oh, oh, oh. right. Well, the, we're using it. The pins as focusing tools. Again, I'm speaking for myself. I'm speaking for how we do things at voodoo authentica. And um, I try to make that clear. I'm not going to speak for the world. That's not, It's not necessary and it'd just be silly and foolish to do so. I can tell you what I do and how I do it and what I think, what works for me and what I find has worked for many, many years. And that is to go about things in the smartest, most karmically responsible way possible. Now, be that as it may, there's some nasties out there that like to send negative magic people's way. Even then, I say you hold up a mirror and you simply do a return to sender. Just like if you send out something negative, it's coming back to you, you know, usually more than one fold. Um, same thing goes for someone send something to you. You hold up a mirror and I use literal mirrors um, in addition to, you know, spiritual mirrors. It's like, I don't need to originate hexes and curses and negativity. You send something my way, well, it's bouncing back to you and all I'm doing is a return to sender. Didn't originate it, didn't come from me. You're just getting your own back. So I am a, endorser of self-protection. Again, I'm not Pollyanna. I, I'm not like, you know, okay, you sent it way, I'm going to take it. Hell no. You send something my way, uh, I'm not going to do this pissing match where you you send something me, I'm sending something. No, all I'm going to do is hold up the mirror, and all you're getting is your own back. You should recognize mm-hmm. it because you sent it. It's
2: like a boomerang.
3: That's it. So that is, to me, the best kind of self-defense magic is just doing a return to sender. It's really effective. Your karma's clean because all you've done is hold up a mirror and sent the stuff back. Nothing has originated from you.
2: What, if anything, you, is the difference?
3: You you'll let, let it hang off. Right.
2: So what, if anything, is the difference between the magic that you practice versus what maybe a, a Wicca would practice or Egyptian magic or Chinese magic or, you know, or, or is there? Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to ask that question any better.
3: Ultimately, magic is magic, and it has a lot to do, as I'm sure you've learned on your journey of exploration, um, that it has a lot to do with faith. And now, let me make something clear. People think, well, if I don't believe in something myself, the magic of someone else can't affect me. Well... I can't say I subscribe to that because if the practitioner of magic has faith and belief in what they are doing, they most assuredly can affect the universe and others, whether you believe in it or not. Yeah, it
2: wouldn't make any sense if you both have to believe it. I mean, that's not a submarine where you both have to turn a key. I mean, the user has (laughs) to believe.
3: Right. Like, ultimately, the practitioner... If the practitioner is experienced and capable, they are able to send magic out, you know, whether that be, um, you know, sending dreams, sending actual, you know, physical impact, um, hopefully for the greater good and the purpose of good, you know, fingers crossed. We hope that's what people are doing. We love when they're doing that, but I can use a knife to, um, you know, to, to hunt and kill to feed my family. I can also use it to murder someone. Mm-hmm. Magic is a, magic is a tool. I can use that knife to cut up a green bean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a tool. Magic is a tool, and it's a tool for any any tradition. Oh my God. The you know, there's a sea of differences. There's a sea of different spirits at play that are called on. Um, but when it comes down to it, magic itself is a tool that can be used to help or to harm.
2: Is there a particular term that um, you use in, in your traditions, like the spirit realm or the astral realm or the Akashic Fields? Is, is there some term that people might know?
3: Uh can you be a little clearer about um, <laughs> what you're asking me in terms of voodoo?
2: Um, well, the answer might be no, but uh, it, 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 you know how, like, you know, uh, it, you know, in Doctor Strange, we, he talks about the astral realm in, in, you know, I know a lot of people who are uh, spiritualists talk about the Akashic field or the Akashic record. Um, you know, uh, I, I Okay.
3: Think, okay. I, I, I feel you. I feel yeah, you. Yeah. Um, you've got, so many, whenever there's interviews about voodoo, you're dealing with so many different traditions. And depending on the tradition you're coming from, there are practitioners that work with me that will call uh, the spiritual realm, realm simply the spiritual realm, um, the home of the law, the home of the Orisha. The um, there are people who, particularly, um, well, African and Haitian tradition too, that'll call that realm guine. So um, you know, that has African roots. So again, it truly depends on who you are speaking to and what tradition they come from. As far as a blanket term, here are what all voodoo people from whatever tradition, whatever country, whatever practice all call it the same thing no that's that, that that's an absolute no- go um, that that's not a thing okay. everyone everyone has their own traditions and their own folklore that goes with these traditions, um, how the Orisha came to be, their own creation stories, um, their own uh, burial practices, their own ideas about you know what are those next steps. You know, after uh, we leave this corporeal form, and that truly goes from tradition to tradition. So, one blanket statement about what all Voodoo people are calling the spiritual realm ain't gonna get it.
2: I wasn't gonna ask you this, but it, just since you just mentioned it, what is the the creation story or the creation myth um, in your disciplines? Oh.
3: Lord, Jeff, another toffee. Um, There are, again, you don't just have, you don't have one. Um, You're dealing with, as I said, in Africa, you're dealing with not one country, but uh, different countries who have their different traditions. Um, And that would be a whole other show. It doesn't even make sense to get into it. That's a, uh, several books, (laughs) in <laughs> a three hour conversation by itself. I wish I could sum it up, but you know, like, okay, one tradition, you know, there was an egg and the, you know, Dambala, you know, created the created the world and another tradition, you know, everything came from the back of a turtle. It would it would just be ridiculous to try to get into all of the different traditions and their ideas about how everything came to be.
2: Uh, Don't be Um, surprised if I, if I try to convince you to do that once is to give me different creation stories (laughs) and a three hour conversation, which I break up into two shows. But Okay. No
3: no problem at all. But since we're trying to really tap into kind of New Orleans voodoo and focusing on that, that will take us on a journey that is, so, its own fascinating um, multicultural, uh, multi-traditional journey with so many tradition, so many creation stories that each deserve their own time and their own respect.
2: Sold. I'm, uh, I, I'm convinced that I'm an easy sell on things like and, that. And
3: and, and 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 I will tell you this because so much um, over the last really couple hundred years has mixed with the Catholicism. You have to understand that a lot of those stories have been combined with those Catholic origin stories as well.
2: That's okay. There's no way
3: of getting, there's no way of getting around that.
2: that, That's some of my favorite stuff. When, when you have, you know, things are sort of, you know, borrowed or, or built upon or, you know, adapted, uh, you know, when you can see the similarities and then when it's, actually part of the tradition itself. I think that that's great as opposed to it. It's not necessarily supposed to be part of the tradition, but it is. And then people start fighting about what was first. Um, okay. So we'll move, we'll move off off of that. You mentioned someone earlier in the, in the show and the name is familiar, but I, I, I admit, I don't really know enough about it offhand. So I think it was Madame Lebeau. Oh,
3: so the great Mumselle Marie Lebeau, um, was a a lot of people call her the spiritual, rest her soul, a lot of people call her the spiritual mother of New Orleans voodoo. And um, she was this, uh, there's a lot of debate, and there's a lot of academics that have done research. But um, born around 1789, passed around 1881, had a lot of children. And there are so many stories about her, um, in fact, some people would say that she never aged because there there were there was a daughter who followed in her footsteps, and um, people would say, "Oh, that's Marie Laveau." You know, she the original Marie Laveau she just doesn't age because she she did have a number of children, and again, that's that's a whole other show. Marie, Marie Laveau, Mademoiselle Marie Laveau deserves. Her own show, uh, truly because her, her history, her contributions, um, to voodoo, to New Orleans voodoo, to women's empowerment, honestly, um, she is, she's a woman of substance that would walk down the street and you paid attention, a hairdresser by trade, so privy to a lot of secrets, um,
2: but a historic hey,
3: we all talk we all we all talk to our hairdressers. So, so yes, so I've heard privy to a lot of secrets that way, but she also um, forged a relationship with a Catholic priest um, at St. Louis Cathedral where she would do her ceremonies on the bayou as long as those same people would come to Père Antoine's church on Sunday. So she had an amazing relationship with the Catholic priest. And so a lot of the, as I said, the Catholic uh, blending, I told you the reason it happened, and that is definitely throughout the world. But in New Orleans, she created this some spe- very special bonds between not only those traditions, but the priesthood itself, or at least one very specific special priest, and, uh, you know, think about it, you know, think about the times mm-hmm. and being able to be the kind of woman that could forge a relationship like that. Sure. Yeah, that you know, was where they, where very they, political. Where they, they, they had these little like kind of agreements with one, one another, you know, she would be doing ceremonies on the bayou and, uh, also have people, you know, being in church on Sunday
0: and, uh, it's, it's, it's,
3: it's
2: both, a, a Fascinating, fascinating
3: woman, fascinating human being. And, oh my goodness, so many stories, so many stories connected her. She would visit prisoners, you know, during the yellow fever epidemic with no concern for her own safety. Um, she was so disturbed at the public hanging that she was uh, a witness to that she, there's a huge story about a storm that she brought about I'm not saying they didn't continue it the next day, but that day it was called off because she brought a huge storm and they couldn't continue that particular hanging. Um, She definitely did a lot uh, for the the low, the high she was in with. um, If someone could pay with a chicken, they paid with a chicken. She also helped a lot of politicians. So she worked with everyone. Everyone went to see Marie Laveau for, to get spiritual work done. Um, whether it was, you know, a school teacher, a politician, the the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. And who could pay paid and who didn't, they, you know, they gave what they could. And so she, in that way, she began a, I I don't I don't like how it sounds, but you know the commercial voodoo queen because quite honestly exchanges are done all over the world. This is not a New Orleans thing. If you go to a a priest or priestess in Haiti, you are going to have an exchange for that work. If you go to Africa, you're going to have an exchange for that work, whether it's goods or money, whatever it's going to be. But she definitely did do magic in exchange. For goods
2: I understand she was uh...
3: she, she, she valued herself she valued her time and um, she and a lot of times she would the money that she did get from the wealthy she used to help out the people who didn't have much because she certainly didn't take it with her she did not pass wealth.
2: She was progressive and practical as well, and a little bit yeah. political as well, it sounds like. Yeah, good. Uh, well, maybe that is another show, as as you said. But uh, it sounds like she's the uh, spiritual and historical sort of godmother or matriarch of, of New Orleans voodoo.
3: Most de- definitely. Again, that comes from me, many others, but uh, not to, you know, beat a horse bloody, but I... I, I like to continue to say I speak for myself and I'm not alone in this, but I do definitely honor her. There's a, there's a very special altar for her, a wishing altar, you know, at good Authentica completely in her honor. And those candles on all our altars get lit every day and people from everywhere. We get people from, you know, Germany, Japan, obviously locals all over the United States, um, you name it, people come to Voodoo Authentic and they use our altars. Because let's face it, not everyone can have an altar in their house.
2: That's true. Um, I want so, to. Go-
3: so they, they they petition the spirits. Our altars are active. they're active all the time. They're honored every day. So people use our altars to petition spirit. And there's also in Saint Louis Cemetery Number One. That's where Marie, Marie Laveau's tomb is. Mm-hmm. Of course, everything in here has to be shrouded with mystery. There's debate about where she's actually buried, but um, her tomb, her official tomb, is in St. Louis, number one. And people are still doing the rituals at her tomb, you know, making the three X's, leaving the penny cell in the tomb, doing the chicken scratch with their foot on the ground, leaving her hair barrettes, um, different things that are the color blue. Sky blue, like her, like her tignon, like her head wrap. So little cakes, little offerings in exchange for the blessings. And she works with people. These spirits, they really work with people. And then whenever they come back in town, they go back and they thank her for you know how she's interceded on their behalf.
2: So she's still she's still at the job.
3: She's still she's still working. Spirits work hard. Um, People, they come in. we We get some people, you know, we've been around for a long time. So we get people that have used our altars for, you name it, you know, for jobs, for family, for fertility issues. And, you know, they come back a couple years later. They've had their baby. They, you know, they come leave an offering. They thank spirit. So the altars are truly open. We ask that they get guidance because... Not everyone knows intrinsically, you know, what are the correct offer, offerings to leave for each spirit. So, of course, we're there. It's We have initiated practitioners there every day to help people and answer questions. So we help to guide that process. But the altars are truly open to anyone. People don't have to come in and buy something. You know, they can come in and just, some people just, they know what they're doing. They walk in, they have a petition for Alegwa or Papa Legba or Zuli Freyder or Zuli Danto. They know what they're doing. They know what petition they need to make. They go do their business with spirit. And we leave. We know what they're doing. Other people, you know, obviously it's New Orleans. It's the French Quarter. We get visited, visitors from all over the world. So some people are just coming to learn a little bit about voodoo and leave with something, you know, something from New Orleans. And the difference is, at least, you know, when they come to Voodoo Authentic, they're getting, if they get a Voodoo doll, it's actually made here. It's made it's by made a great. practitioner. It, if they get a Grigri bag, it's actually made by a practitioner.
2: Wait, wait what's a Gri so, bag?
3: Oh, um, some people you'll hear Grigri bag, you'll hear Mojo bag. Um, it's a bag that our priests make our, and our practitioners make. Someone can walk up. And they say, "Okay, I got a little something going on at my job. I need a little help." Or a lot of a lot of the local musicians come in to, you know, get more gigs, things like that. So we take a piece of fabric, and depending on what someone's asking for, we'll put the. It's usually a square of fabric, and we we put different herbs and roots. Uh, some of the roots, especially for our musicians. Um, we heat those roots up you know over the pot make them really nice and hot some of them some of them need to be cooled down so we use whatever is appropriate the herbs the roots you know the dried flowers they each have their own spiritual properties some go with love some go with prosperity some go with justice um, some go with healing etc cetera, etc cetera. so every herb has its own property and We put those herbs. We cinch up the bag, kind of like a sachet, you know, kind of like a sachet. And then we cinch it real good with yarn. We anoint it with the right oil. It might be, if it's a love bag, it might be love potion number nine, which, of course, we make everything ourselves there. And we anoint the bag, and then we bless it at the appropriate altar. If it's a love bag, we're going to go usually talk to – or Zulifreida or Oshun, who are the spirits that reign over those matters of the heart. Um, sometimes it's a matter of spiritual balance. You know, we may go to Obatala or Papa Dambala. Um, it all depends on there is no one way. You know, people come in, they've got different needs, and you got to deal with them as individuals. Right. And you gotta let you gotta let spirit come through because sometimes spirit will want an ingredient in that bag, and you gotta listen. You know, it may not be on the list mm-hmm. of what normally goes in a love and passion bag, but you gotta be open. You gotta listen to spirit. No, I need I need you to put a little of this, a little of that, in this bag for this individual. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll usually take a little something from them, uh, you know, a little hair or nail clipping to make to make it theirs to make sure their energy is in that bag and those are the practitioner made bags they're also in like the ready-made bags that um are blessed for that purpose because some people want something that they can pick up and go with so those bags are blessed for their purpose love and passion money and good luck etc but the and they're all made by practitioners but the practitioner made bag like, while you wait, that's done on a one-by-one basis. Right. You know, you stay in there, you make sure that the practitioner knows what...
0: My mom is 81, and she's having trouble walking, taking care of herself, and remembering things.
3: There are expectations.
0: My mom feels I'm her daughter, and I should be able to do for her. Sometimes the help they need is more than we can do alone. Care makes it easy to find senior caregivers who live nearby and know how to help. I love my mom, but I, I need some help. The best decisions are made with care. Find help for your mom or dad at care.com.
3: What your needs are. And then you leave with that bag and we let you know how to use it.
2: All right, Those are custom made, tailored for you with, with divine intervention at, at times. And then there's others that are generally effective, but, may not be you know uh, most effective for someone because it, it it's you know sort of take it's to go but these sound like they're almost like spells okay, meeting no, talentsments they're, they're they're all they're all effective it's just
3: that you have like let's say you're coming in you got 15 minutes to spend mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people to get things for so you've just got to grab you know to love and passion, great, great. Too money and good luck, great, great. To do well in school, school, great, great. You have to get these things and you have to leave. And the instructions let you know exactly how oh, okay. to personalize that, how to make it yours. Um, so, yeah, they are, made, they are made and blessed by practitioner, by practitioner in the same way I just laid out. But for people who have a little extra time, you know, They can walk up and they can get a bag and put, you know, like I say, put put a little of their, you know, their fingernails or their hair, something that really, that makes it theirs. The things that someone can always do at home, but this is something that's done while you wait, but all of them are effective because they work on really sympathetic magic where you are putting your own, we've already We've already blessed it for that purpose. When you get home, you've got to keep that going. You've got to meditate with that bag. You've got to keep broadcasting that energy. You've got to spend time. Like I said, these are tools. You've got to spend time with that tool to keep that focus going, to keep that broadcast going. The herbs have energy. The energy that the practitioner has blessed it with has energy. And you are a key ingredient in that magic. Your energy is a key ingredient and blending that with what we've already put into it.
2: What about um, Tarot? Is Tarot related to voodoo?
3: Um, In as much as some practitioners choose to use that as a divination tool, we've got, I'm, I know voodoo practitioners who use the crystal ball I know voodoo practitioners who use cowrie shells, who use bones, who use stones, who use tarot cards, who use playing cards. Again, it's not a one size fits all. It's, it's, some of it comes from how did you learn? Who taught you? You know, a lot of times you're going to go with the medium that the divination medium that you were taught to use. Right. Um, you know, and and what you know, just what vibrates with you, and and also, you know, there's a million different kinds of tarot decks. There's a deck called the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot that's you know written by you know a, a priestess and a priest, you know, and some people really connect with that imagery. Um, there's other people that do better with a with an angel deck or. I, or even a Crowley deck, mm. or like I said, a crystal ball, chicken bones, um, coins. So I have a lot of readers in my life, and I will tell you the most popular reading style for the people who come in Voodoo Authentica is tarot. And I think it's just because people are most familiar with it.
2: Right. I mean, again, uh, not getting too much into the James Bond live and let. I think, was the name of the movie. Jane Seymour was, you know, she was reading the Tarot. And, and then there was the guy who was, uh, what What character was he playing they the, with the top hat and the skeleton?
3: Well, I'll tell you what people were attempting to represent, but not necessarily representing properly. Okay. When you have the top hat and the glasses, sometimes they're, missing. they're either trying to represent typically... Baronsemite or papagete. okay these are spirits of uh, death death sex and resurrection and surprisingly also the primary healers he excuse me healers particularly of the Haitian Pantheon and um, very protective of children because of you know you got the cycle of life thing going on so I can tell you what many movies, our attempt and, and imagery that you see even on sports teams, um, what they're attempting to represent and what some popular TV shows, they may use the spirit's name, but um, all of the attributes are are wrong. I, I won't name the name, but there's a TV show that has a character a, a quote unquote voodoo character that is dressed like, you know, Baron Semedi and, and his son, Pop, Papa Gete, depending on the scene. Mm-hmm. But he's being presented as Papa Legba with all the attributes of actually Papa Gete and Or they've created like an amalgamation where, all right, we're blending Papa Legba, Baron Semedi, and Papa Gete all into one and creating our own character, which shares all these attributes. So that's what you see a lot in movies is, um, they've done, a, you know, they say a little research is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a little research. They have made this little puzzle. They made this puzzle of different spirits because they thought the top hat was cool. Mm-hmm. They thought the cemetery King was cool, but they also wanted him to be the door opener. So they just decided to make this, you know, like put it in a blender and we're calling this spirit this because at least that's one of the names. So that's what you see a lot in popular media is the blend where they've actually gotten some of the facts right, but they just blended it all together.
2: Right. And the third thing that I see that I'm sure is fits into the misconceptions or really gets people annoyed, but a lot oftentimes zombies are associated with voodoo.
3: Well, a lot of that was popularized by the Wade Davis book Serpent in the Rainbow which is a really interesting book that I recommend people who are interested in the um, you know the, the science behind zombies I, I do highly recommend they read the book the you know the guy is you know uh, whatever an eth- ethnobotanist or um you know, he really did the research. Um, he really did go to Haiti. He really did explore this, you know, very, very mystifying topic. Um, but in popular culture, uh, you know, the zombies and the brain-eating, it's very different than um, what Wade Davis was exploring, which is um, really, you know, pharmacological. uh involves uh, one ingredient you know is not giving away the formula one ingredient comes from the blowfish because pretty much everyone knows that part of it and it renders the person um to where they appear dead you, know, right. you can't feel a pulse um everything just slows down to the point where they're dead and then very deprived of oxygen so when they are taken out of the ground, it is a very slavish state that um, some people recover from, but many don't. It's definitely not a good thing. It's it's all about control, and it's more in the province. This is no insult to Bokors. Bokors are particularly Haitian practitioners of magic that are not necessarily confined to the rules of, let's say, the path that most Ungan or Buddhist, Haitian-initiated voodoo priests are on. They are, uh, you us say, spiritual mercenaries for hire. Um, and none of this is meant to sound insulting. It's just trying to give you the best understanding of you know, what a bokor does. A bokor is a magician. Right. And they, they typically are magicians for hire. So the same, you know, and these are different cultures too with different needs. Like we could say, oh my God, this level of control is horrifying. We would never do such a thing in our first world environment. Well, you know, sometimes... You know, you don't live like other people you don't know what their needs are, just how desperate that mother is to, you know, have, you know, that father pitch in for their child or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you're dealing with totally different cultures um, who are subject to, you know, their own ideas of what is right and wrong um, based on what their own needs are. So I try not to apply, you know, like, okay. Here, that's why I would say, here's what I do. Sure. Not just like, oh, I'm so righteous. Just here's what I do. Um, and here's what my environment allows me to do.
2: Yeah. We're but not, we're not trying to put judgment
3: I, on it. We're just, had, yeah. yeah. I had a dear, dear friend, um, again, rest his soul, past not too long ago, who is a brilliant Bokor. And, Again, it is up to each bocor to decide on what their limitations are, what they will and will not do. You know, you do have some people that will do some major nastiness and you have others who won't, and that is up to each individual bocor to do. But the reason I brought up bocors is because that's much more in the province of the Bokor than it is for the initiated voodoo priests. That's even in
2: Haiti. Right, but it's not like the Walking Dead, you know. It's 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 more of something that maybe is used for punishment. I, I don't know what some people recover from. Somebody, it's more like somebody appeared to be dead, and then they when they arise, it's they're sort of in a fugue state, and and it's it it looks it it mimics what a zombie, and it's sort of taken its you know it, it, the myth is sort of grown it, from that
3: it's basically done to control the will of another human being and typically to have that individual, you know, do the person who created them's bidding. Um, I'm not saying that it's a common practice or it happens all the time. Um, I'm also not going to say it never happens, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's silly not to just be honest. Um, you know, it's like this is what I can tell you is that um, it isn't a good thing. It's not a blessing. Um, it is not something, it is definitely something that would be uh, a punishment. I'm not always saying it's a deserved punishment. Sometimes people just want control over another human being for their own nefarious reasons.
2: Are there any other things that go bump in the night that are misapplied to or properly associated with voodoo?
3: Um, well, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about possession, about spirit possession. And that comes a lot with trying to equate spirit possession with demonic possession, which do not have anything to do with one another. Um, you know, one is in the province of the Christian faith um, and other faiths. You know that that have demons and angels in their theology, and spirit possession is. You remember I told you about ceremonies and when you call on the guest of honor, if they don't show up. Yes. Okay. You know the guest of honor didn't come. Well, part of the majority of Voodoo ceremonies is that. Primarily, the initiated Ungan and Mambo are bounted, um, written by the spirits. Like you call on, let's say, Papa Dambala. I mentioned that's a Haitian law spirit and balance, of, excuse me, of uh, a spiritual cleansing balance. Um, and when spirit has been presented with certain offerings. Their bebe has been drawn on the ground. And right now I'm speaking, you know, about Haitian law right now, because Papa Damballa is a Haitian law. You have, let's say you called Papa Damballa and Papa Damballa has come. There are certain things that go with that spirit. That spirit takes over that person. Again, ideally, it's an initiated and mambo, but not all hate. That, that's ideal because Ungan and Mambo are equipped to deal with spirit possession. They know how to step out of the way. And that's not an easy thing to do, <laughs> to yeah. step out of the way of your consciousness and kind of let someone else take the wheel for a little while. But when they come, they are giving blessings to those there. Um, some spirits speak. Some spirits do not speak um, in Verbal language. Um, Some spirits will have whole conversations with you. Um, Some spirits will connect with you by putting their head to your head and sending you a message that way. Um, You can speak with them, whether they're able to verbally speak back to you or not. But you can receive, you know, uh, calming from certain spirits, balance from certain spirits. Other spirits, resolution to conflicts that are going on in the community. Um, the same thing that someone might come in to ask for, uh, you know, a reading at Gurdwara or a bag at ceremony. Some of these same things are asked for. You know, I'm really trying to. It may be something like I'm trying to move forward in my spiritual path. Some people are just asking for. I really want to have. I'd like to be a little luckier in my job. And spirit is there. They are in the driver's seat. And they can do things. Like you have may have a woman who is possessed by a spirit. A woman who doesn't smoke. A woman who doesn't drink. But that spirit does drink and smoke. They may down a whole bottle. They may smoke a pack of cigarettes. That human being is not a smoker or drinker. But the spirit consumes that and the person can come out of it without being drunk, without going, <laughs> <laughs> um, on occasion, you do have this half consciousness thing going on too, where the, the person being ridden is they, sometimes they're completely out of the way and sometimes they're conscious for, you know, part of what's going on, um, or they're able to get the view and, so sometimes they do come out of it feeling certain effects, but I've, I've seen some I've seen some feats that uh you know skin not when when someone has uh papa ogu in them you know a, a, a machete that would pierce the skin if it was human just won't pierce the skin because. Uh,
2: I think we're, I think we're What losing. the hell
3: they're doing? Oh, okay. I thought that but, was the connection. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't recommend this for people who don't know what the hell they're doing. But you know, when someone is truly being ridden by spirit, there are things they can do that they cannot do in norm when they're just in their normal human form without spirit, you know, riding them. And I've seen it again and again and again and again and It's like I said, it's expected, but always just divine, amazing and never taken for granted. At the same time that I say it's divine, these are like family members. Like when Papa Legba comes, you know, he, he can sit down and talk with you for a long time, tell stories. Kind of like you'd feel like if you were with uh, your grandfather telling stories. So it's, It can feel, you know, like a very family space. But it's it's remarkable. It's common, but not commonplace, if you know what I mean. Or commonplace, but not common. It's hard to explain how we expect these things to happen, but never take them for granted. And that's at every ceremony.
2: Well, I think you've done an excellent job of sort of expressing yourself and explaining these huge concepts, uh, and explaining the sacred the word that comes to mind, how sacred these, uh, these beliefs and traditions are. Um, where can people find you and support you and, and you know, how they, how can they find the store and all that other great stuff?
3: Well, ideally they come. Thanks for asking. <laughs> um, ideally, They'll come straight to Voodoo Authentica of New Orleans Cultural Center and Collection, which is open seven days a week. We are at 612 Dumain Street in the quarter. That's the block between Royal and Charters. Okay. And go um, have themselves some beignets down the street, at Cafe Dumont, and then stop by and see us. And uh, no, I don't have any kind of agreement with Cafe Dumont. It's just Fun to get a little powdered sugar all over yourself before you yes. and some cafe au lait before you start your day. Um, great way to start your day and walk on down Dumain. Um, you know, come on. There are other shops in the area. So if they want to specifically come, can you still hear me? I can. Okay. If they want specifically to come to Gouda Authentica then, you know, they have to make sure they're in the right place because there are other establishments. There's something to be gained from every establishment. By all means, people should check them all out. But since you're asking about Voodoo Appenica, you know, this. it's very clear on the sign, Voodoo Appenica is Voodoo Appenica, and if the sign doesn't say that, then you're not at Mambo Brandy's spot.
0: There you go. Um,
3: and... So that's one way is just come on and see us in person, especially on October 31st. We'll be doing our 23rd or 24th Voodoo Fest. It's always on the 31st, whether that falls on a Monday, a Saturday, it's always on the 31st, always on Halloween. And Voodoo Fest is an amazing day that everyone, it's also a nice opportunity because you are meeting people you might not otherwise meet priestesses from all over the place. And um, everybody kind of gathers for this. So it's it, it's really wonderful. The other thing is they can go on voodoo shop.com. That's V-O-O-D-O-O-S-H-O-P.com. And um, support, you know, a lot of our New Orleans spiritual artists, uh, African spiritual artists, Haitian spiritual artists, and a lot of people we support support others. For example, um, the the lady who is she's family really Mary Jo, she runs an orphanage and a school in Haiti. So when people get Haitian art from us, that's supporting what she's doing. So everything from us really support something else that supports something else that supports something else. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I have a, I'm a new Orleans girl. I have a focus on new Orleans, but we honor the roots and we make sure we support our roots.
0: Excellent.
2: Well, you've made that very clear. And I think that's amazing. Um, so folks, hopefully this is something that you're interested in. And if you are, you know, where to go to get more information and, uh, Obviously, uh, she's open to oh, oh, questions. Well, oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. also,
3: also, one more thing. Uh-huh. Um, we also, they can call. 50, we're, like I said, we're open seven days a week, 11 to 7. They can call us uh-huh. at 504-522-2111. And 11, unless it's you know a holiday, we're open 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. They can call. They can talk to someone. Who knows about voodoo they can schedule a reading a spiritual cleansing there's a lot that we do now over the phone you know with every we really try to accommodate people during the pandemic by offering skype and all these and so we've stuck to that we're still offering for people who can't get to the shop sure. we offer phone readings skype readings and you know all done by real practitioners who actually care about people and know what the heck they're doing and care about spirit and care about the spirits that we're honoring at, at, at Voodoo Authentica.
2: Excellent. Well, then that's that's exactly what you're advertising, Voodoo Authentic. So excellent. Thank you very much for that, folks. You know lots of ways to reach her and her team. Um, I thank you once again. And folks, give her a little support, a little love, spread the word. And uh, hopefully you'll do the same for the show, rate, review, and share it. And we will hear from you next week in the Garden of Doom.
1: Introducing TGI Friday's new Fox on the Rock sauce, a bold, sweet barbecue with a kick at Jamie Fox's BSB-flavored whiskey that's perfect on ribs, steak, and wings. It's also great in craft cocktails like our new BSB Foxy Mule. So come get saucy only at Fridays. The world is always on